passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Aiden, I actually... I want to tell you something. I've been thinking about this for a long time. And I think it's important that I say it out loud. I want you. And I want to show you the rest. Oh, I really do. But I can't. Legal obligations, you see? I'm entertaining a very attractive offer from TMZ. And, you know, I wouldn't want to cheat on them. As if they don't have too much on their plates. The Kings of Combat Sports Podcast, John and Wade. They'll talk about the things they did that day. They'll analyze the work of Vince and Triple H. Rewind to SmackDown. Rewind to SmackDown. Rewind to SmackDown. Rewind to SmackDown. Rewind to Hello, everybody. Welcome to Rewind to SmackDown. It's John Pollock here alongside Wei Ting. Wei, I feel very energetic tonight. How are you? Really? Um, what, what happened? You got some sleep, I'm, I'm assuming? I told you about my, my ability to have really short naps, and I, I had a 25-minute nap around uh, 5.30 this evening. All wired, all ready to go, all set. I could talk all night if you want. Naps are really key, but I'm I'm assuming for you as a as a brand new parent, they're probably even more important now. You try to sneak them probably when you can, when possible. Yes. Uh, so that was a uh, that was today's strategy. Is is sort of is Max at at the age where like he's still kind of waking up in and out, or like when when do when do babies start to actually start getting like a decent amount of like consecutive hours? I'm sure everyone has different stories. Uh, with Max, it's very inconsistent. There's some nights he will go through the night and others where, like last night, he woke up like twice during the night. So there really is no consistent pattern. Okay, well, keep us updated. <laughs> I won't, but thank you. <laughs> uh, are, are, do you feel well-rested? Are you excited? Yeah, I'm good. I'm totally good. We have a lot to talk about on this uh, on I know. I show. was just compiling. Now you give me, while you watch the Mixed Match Challenge, I compile all the stuff to that we have to get to on these two shows that we do Tuesday nights, and there's a lot of stuff to get to. So welcome aboard. There's lots to discuss. Once we get through Rewind to SmackDown, which will feature a review of SmackDown, a review of Mixed Match Challenge, a preview of the Super Showdown, and I'm going to get ways on the record prediction of who is going to win this Saturday's main event lightweight title fight between Habib Nurmagomedov and Conor McGregor. But then there's more, way because Well, aren't we going to even preview a Super Showdown? I mentioned that. Oh, you did? I'm sorry. I was, that was, I was in there. I was looking for my notes. Sorry. Yes, we will preview the Super Showdown, which is happening Saturday morning at 
five in the morning. Uh, but then we've got the double shot way for members of the post wrestling cafe. And what, what will they be uh, treating their ears to this week? So for those of you who do, who aren't aware yet by now, the double shot is kind of the place where John and I get to talk about everything other than, you know, uh, the, the typical shows that we cover on our network of shows. And and typically they will include things that, uh, you know, so, so, such as uh, wrestling shows that John has watched or in my case, non-wrestling shows involving wrestlers that I've watched. And of course, that includes this week's edition of Total Divas uh, as well. Uh, being the elite returned after a one month hiatus. I also, John, wanted to talk a bit about, did you get a chance to watch that 40-minute Undertaker interview? I did watch it. Did you? Yeah. So we can oh. we can just briefly chat about uh, that very interesting. Oh, wait. I, I could go two hours on that guy, on the host alone. Let's Ed Young. Yes. Wait a minute. No. No. How? This was the most animated host I've yeah. ever seen conduct an interview. Who's the strongest wrestler you've ever faced? Dude, Undertaker, like, loved this guy. He just wanted to tell stories about, okay. well, we're saving it. We're saving yeah. that for the double shot. Postwrestlingcafe.com. Uh, throw in a few bucks. Sign up. You can get that. And what a week to sign up because you will get the double shot. You will get Ask Away, which I think will be the biggest Ask Away to date this coming Friday. We are going to have to answer so many questions that have been building up because we did not get to many uh, forum questions uh, during our live show at StarCast last month. So all of it will be answered on Friday's show. And then, and then, if you are a cafe member, Saturday, you can tune in live if you are a double-double or higher member and watch our review of the Super Showdown. If not, it will be up for cafe members later in the day uh, in podcast form as Wayne and I will watch this five-hour Australian event and then chat about it for another five hours. That's right. Yes. So unlike, uh, you know, uh, your typical WWE shows, we are putting this one on the cafe, the WWE Super Showdown review. And that's because on the free feed that evening, John, you have a very special review. Yes, it's UFC 229 on Saturday night. I am going to be watching it with my good pal, Ziggy. He's going to be coming over. Uh, I, I invited other people, but uh, Way's busy. No, if, so, it's, if it's available, I might, I might actually take you up on that. Oh, really? 100%. You're welcome to come. Yeah. Thanks. We're going to have a good time. Uh, Phil is TBA. He may not be able to make it. But myself and Ziggy, we are going to be doing a show uh, that night uh, covering UFC 229. Conor McGregor, Habib Nurmagomedov, which uh, the the hype for this fight is getting to a pretty high level. They have a press conference scheduled for Thursday, which I think is going to get quite a lot of buzz and attention. And this this is not hyperbole. This could be the most successful UFC pay-per-view in history on Saturday night. It's possible. We're dealing with very different numbers now, I think, post-Mayweather-McGregor. Uh, you know, I'm assuming uh, Connor's reach is, is is at a greater point than it probably ever has been. So I'm very curious to see that number afterwards. I don't know what the number is going to be. Like, in my head, I'm thinking 1.7 to 1.8 million. Wow. But I don't know. I really don't know. It's like Connor and Mayweather did 4.3 million buys. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. If they do two million, if they do over two million, I'm not going to be stunned. It's it's a very hard number to predict because you just don't know what Connor's reach is now, and that it's been such a long wait for him to have a fight in the UFC. It's been two years since Madison Square Garden, so uh, that's going to be coming up on Saturday night, and we're going to discuss some of today's news items. But uh, first, want to mention our contest, which is ongoing this week. 
We are giving away copies that ECW Press has provided us. Creating the Mania, an inside look at how WrestleMania comes to life by John Robinson. And all you have to do is take a photo of yourself and where you listen to our shows and tag us on Instagram at Post Wrestling Official. And we will announce the winner of the book next Monday on Rewind to Raw. So that is at, at Post Wrestling Official on Instagram. We've already got a bunch of uh, today's submissions posted up there. Uh, if you're, oh, cool. If you go on the account. We have a, a late night TV show host who posted a photo of himself listening to us in front of the Welcome to Yakima. <laughs> ha- Yakima in Washington. Yeah, nice. well, Welcome to Yakima sign. And we have another uh, gentleman w- watching in front of his office. We have another gentleman um, watching as he does his machining, um, <laughs> machining stuff. <laughs> Machining? What does that even mean? I, I don't know. I don't know. CAD, if you know what that is. Okay. Well, hey, all walks of life. That's what we're looking for. So yeah. there you go. Those are some of the submissions. Uh, you can provide yours. We're looking forward to uh, checking out all of these, and we'll announce our winner next Monday. And uh, quick site notes. We have, of course, Monday's Rewind to Raw is up on the site. Uh, I did an interview with uh, Mark Ramondi from MMAfighting.com. That is up. And then on Wednesday, we'll also have a new show up with WH Park chatting many different Japanese topics, including all the Japanese candidates that are eligible this year for the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame. We'll go through the list, get WH's thoughts on all of the candidates and a new British wrestling experience. will be out Wednesday as well uh, with the crew chatting this past weekend's uh, progress event from Wembley. Lots of stuff for them to, uh, to catch up on. And then Thursday, we have a new edition of Up Next from Braden and Davey. They'll be reviewing the Mayon Classic, uh, NXT, of course, and maybe even talking a bit 205 Live. But on that note, um, our own Davey Portman has actually lined up an interview with AJ Hirsch, who is uh, one of the, the actors for the latest WWE 2K19 video game. Yes, and this was, uh, this was the tough enough uh, member that everyone thought I had a striking resemblance to you in 2011. Look, you look just like this dude. And, I mean, I think it was funny because when he, when you actually got to interview him, um, I don't know how it came up, but he ended up Googling you. And he was like, <laughs> dude, we do look alike. Because <laughs> this was, I think this is also when I, I had not uh, shaved my head either. So it was, <laughs> it was quite the resemblance. You, I will say that. You look exactly the same, dude. <laughs> if you want to put it to the test, look up AJ Kirsch and take take a look at... Uh, oh yes, anyway. Uh, but Davey will be talking with him about more important things because he is uh, one of the voices of the, the 2K19 video game, which I'm sure Davey and Braden, they will be uh, playing and reviewing that game at a, at a later date as well. Yeah. Right well right. beyond me and Wei's uh, scope. Mm-hmm. is the 2k video game but it does look cool i w- i always lament when i see a cool game that i wish i wasn't to video games because i could see myself spending a lot of hours on video games and i really don't have those hours so it's probably a good thing that i don't have the means to get into video games well watching video games is as much of a hobby now watch maybe i'll do that people. if yeah. Braden and davy start their twitch channel maybe i'll just sign up and i'll just have it on my screen i can just watch live vicariously through their gaming and watch endless loops of Birio cart or Birio 2k 19 <laughs> i'm sure Birio can uh be applied to many games yeah. if you wanted to all right today's news uh the most notable pro wrestling story was the re-emergence of the enigma that is neville 
He showed up on Tuesday at the Dragon Gate card at Korokun Hall. It was a Shingo Takagi's final match in Tokyo with Dragon Gate. He's going off to become a freelancer, and uh, he showed up reverting back to his old moniker of Pac, and it looks like he's in now with Dragon Gate. He did a tag match, and he's going to be coming back on November the 6th. He's aligned with the Red Faction, which stands for Real Extreme Diffusion, and (laughs) an awesome name, and will be part of a Four Corners Trios match on November the 6th, and cut this pretty great promo in the style of his heel character on 205 Live. So, not the place I expected him to show up at. I mean, he does have the history with Dragon Gate, but this did catch me off guard. I was surprised by this. A uh, surprise to me, too, and I think to a lot of people. A lot of people were thinking that he could be the uh, the new member of uh, Los Ingobernables. Um But, I mean, I'm assuming there's got to be some type of loyalty um, from, from, from his previous uh, uh, interaction with him. That or, I mean, could you see Dragon Gate offering him a money deal far beyond you know, what he, he might be be being offered by Ring of Honor or New Japan? I have a hard time imagining that. Mm-hmm. Um, like, Dragon Gate has not been in great health over the last year. I mean, there's been a lot of talent that has left, um, you know, Shingo Takagi just being the latest, but there's been a number of guys that have left Dragon Gate. So, I mean, this somewhat, I think, revitalizes Dragon Gate in the short term. I think there will be some interest, maybe some... North American fans that maybe sign up for their streaming service. I don't know if it will be sustained and that six months from now, will people be following Pac and his and his Dragon Gate stuff? Uh, maybe there's, there's, there's an audience that watches Dragon Gate that will be stoked by this. But I, I just don't I just don't know how much of a sustained spotlight he'll have as opposed to when this guy goes and does UK indies and US indies where he'll be in huge demand for well, I believe it, it. I mean, I'm assuming that it'll open up uh, um, a lot of opportunities for cross promotion with Dragon Gate as a result of, of having kind of Neville as sort of their a bargaining chip. You know, I would hope at least. I I would love to still see Neville in the mix with you know a lot of New Japan guys. I'd, I'd still love to see him in the mix with a lot of North American indies, uh, some British indies, and uh, the way like things are in independent and, and international wrestling these days, everybody's working with each other. So I I, I wouldn't rule all that out. It's, you know, you're right. It's completely different for, for many different promotions that um, maybe maybe you will see him cross over. But it looks like, you know, his home office in Japan will be Dragon Gate. So um, that was interesting. And some other news going on. Very unfortunate news for Joey Janela, who announced on Tuesday that he met with his surgeon and the left knee injury that he suffered two weeks ago in his match against psychosis was a really bad injury. Not only is he going under the knife next week, he'll have surgery on the knee, but his uh, doctor has told him he's going to be unable to wrestle for at least a year. Yeah. That's a really serious knee injury. Yeah, like to the point where, I mean, you have to wonder if it's career-threatening, you know? Um, It sounds like he he might make a full recovery, but uh, a year off, especially for a guy, I think, as hot in the industry, uh, with as many, I think, uh, contracted appearances uh, and, and bookings as he has, is a big deal. You know, this is not like he, you know, he's a contracted employee anywhere that'll pay him uh, for sitting out on the sidelines. Uh, he's an independent wrestler. So, but the, the, the fortunate thing is that, I mean, Joey Janela has really kind of made a name for himself, not just as a professional wrestler, but as a personality and as a promoter. 
So I have no doubt that he'll keep himself quite busy. Yeah, I mean, Game Changer, they're still going ahead promoting their November show as Joey Janela's L.A. Confidential. So I'm sure he'll be involved in those shows. But that's, you know, for a guy that was, I I think after All In, he was really in that top mix now of in-demand indie talent that, you know, this next year would have probably been a a really strong one for him. Mm -hmm. And it's very tough when you're an independent wrestler and you're, you're on the sidelines and can't wrestle. Like that's a really tough go of things for him. So I'm hoping he can get involved in other areas, but it's, it, it, it's really tough. I really do want to see him like do more of the video production that I think he's kind of been known for with, uh, with spring break and things like that. You know, like, like we talk about with being the elite or, or anything that's on YouTube these days, there's such a space for somebody like him to get their personality out there in the form of video um, so I'm, I'm, I'm actually kind of curious to see what he will do in the, in the downtime. One MMA story. Uh, so next month, the UFC is returning to Madison Square Garden for their third event at the venue. The first year, it was headlined by Eddie Alvarez and Conor McGregor. Last year, it was George St. Pierre going for the middleweight title against Michael Bisping. And this year, they did not have a main event. The big fights they had announced were Nate Diaz and Dustin Poirier and Chris Weidman and Luke Rockhold, the rematch. But they had kept saying they were working on a main event, working on a main event. And today, that main event was reported. Headlining, Madison Square Garden, the world's most famous arena. Valentina Shevchenko, Ciara Eubanks for the vacant UFC flyweight title. Wait, I have never seen such reaction to a main event as I saw today to this fight. They they stated that that was officially the main event. It's not just another match on the card. No, that's the main event. That because is, they have to have a title fight to headline a pay-per-view, of course. That is unbelievable. It really is. Um, I, the best was like what, what you wrote about Joe Rogan hearing about that oh, story. Joe Rogan is doing his podcast with Brendan Schaub live. And this comes across. It's uh, Brett Okamoto of ESPN who reported the fight being finalized. And... Brendan Schaub is just like stunned at this announcement. And Joe Rogan is speechless at first. And he has to just compose himself. And his reaction is like sincere. He's not even trying to be funny. No offense, but I don't even know who Ciara Eubanks is. And I'm the UFC commentator. Ciara Eubanks, and no disrespect to this woman. Mm -hmm. uh, This is, you know, I do not begrudge her for taking this fight. But this is just insane that this is the main event. This woman uh, went through the Ultimate Fighter last year when they were going to crown the first flyweight champion, made it to the finals where she was going to take on Nico Montano, and then the day of the weigh-ins, she was hospitalized and could not weigh in, and and thus Roxanne Modafferi was put into the finals ahead of Eubanks. So I, yeah. Eubanks is 1-1 one one as a UFC flyweight and is going to go into this fight where she was not even able to make the weight in the finale for her chance to fight for this title. And on top of this, just a few weeks ago, they had announced that this vacant flyweight title would be decided in Toronto with Valentina Shevchenko and Joanna Yandrechek, a very anticipated fight that mm-hmm. has fallen apart. I am sure they offered this date for Joanna first, and I would imagine that she was just not able to uh, facilitate this because that is, uh, no question, the bigger fight. But this is just unbelievably stunning that Ciara Eubanks is going to headline this pay-per-view at Madison Square Garden. 
It is really surprising. It's really surprising that I think a, a company that we've been talking about, you know, who seems to favor, um, I don't know, uh, business making decisions over uh, rankings and things like that, will, for whatever reason, hold so much reverence for having a title match end a show, uh, when clearly the star power is not even near the level of, of uh, what the uh, what the semi main is. Like Shevchenko too. Like Shevchenko headlining this card is nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, you know, Nate Diaz and Dustin Poirier had been pushing for the UFC to create a 165-pound title, and they would fight for that title. And you know what? Yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy to create a new weight class. I'm not against it, and there is no question what would be a, a bigger spotlight to put in your main event than this. Hey, question, though. If they did make that title, would they push welterweight to 175? Well, it would force... Uh, a change that would you could keep lightweight and then yeah i think i think you'd have to introduce that discussion do you move everything to 175 do you start acknowledging different weight classes which maybe i can understand their hesitancy to do that but i do feel that's where the sport is moving that the idea of having a 15 pound gap between lightweight and and welterweight it's just too much for some of these fighters like that is too much of a gap now where guys are killing themselves to make these weights. Plus they want a belt for every show. So they do like more weight classes is completely in line with the UFC's MO in 2018, where they book all these shows, all these pay-per-views that have to have title fights. And now you're just creating interim title fights and stripping Daniel Cormier. So we've got a title available for this pay-per-view. Like just, just make more weight classes. It's, it's going to be safer for the fighters. And it's going to somewhat help the weight cutting problem, not eradicate it. But then you're going to create that many more championships. Like you've devalued titles so much already. Why don't you at least do it in a meaningful way where it's there's a benefit to the fighters? It certainly makes sense right now. But don't you remember, John, like like maybe 10 years ago or eight years ago when we were talking about, wow, MMA is so great. Look at where boxing is. The titles are a mess. Everybody has a title. Well, now it looks like MMA or specifically the UFC is kind of heading into that same direction. It's... I mean, they've made a mess of their divisions and some of that, like you could not keep it the way, you know, 10 years ago when you had a very finite number of weight classes and you knew every champion and probably the next two or three contenders off the top of your head, that just wasn't going to sustain itself. But what they have done to the championships, it's very unfortunate that it's, it's very much the boxing model. It is very much you, you buy shows based on who is fighting, not because of it being a title fight, not because of the branding of it being the UFC. Um, it's it's now you have a very few select people that are needle movers, and champions do not necessarily mean that you're going to sell pay-per-views. In the large majority, they don't. They don't make a whole lot of difference. Tyron Woodley just defended his welterweight title, and Dave Meltzer was reporting it's like 130,000 buys for that pay-per-view. It's mm-hmm. just it, – it's not – a difference maker for to, to have a champion and this pay-per-view while it does have a an overall a, a good main card i don't know i don't I, I don't even know if this show is going to do 350 400 mm. i i don't know how well nate draws without someone like a conor mcgregor on the other side yeah i agree so that is next month's pay-per-view uh, and that was the uh the big news today let us get into smackdown which took place from Portland at the Moda Center. And 
presenting this review way are our cafe members, Corey Landega, Stephen Cannon, and Andy Dixon, our good friends. Wonderful. Cool. Uh, the algorithm happened to land on those few names today. Yes. I, I punched it into this giant contraption I have on my wall, and it took uh, two hours, 15 minutes, and 32 seconds, and these names computed through wow. my formula. And yeah, they come out of uh, this little this little metal tray at the bottom. It like just has these these pieces of paper with names written on it, and then the the work of how it got to this conclusion. Oh, I'd love to see that whole process. Yes, I've I patented this machine. Paige was in the ring. She was told that this job as general manager would be exhilarating, exhausting. But what Samoa did last week was completely out of line. Samoa, last name Joe. I'm sure Joe has gotten that uh, all the time in his career. Probably continues to get it. What about from television producers that are directing him of where to go sit? Yes, Peter Brady uh, being one of those several people. And Joe committed the most dastardly crime in WWE history. The most dastardly way. Uh, I don't know about that, Paige. People have been murdered in this company. Uh, in storyline, in storyline, in storyline. Uh, in storyline, and... I guess, yeah, okay, okay. Uh, enough, if, enough. if you want to be honest, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, there have been men lit on fire. There have been testicles electrocuted. Um, yeah, there's been a lot. There's been a lot worse than knocking on someone's door or ringing their doorbell. We've had legit breaking and entering. Uh, with guns, yeah. With guns, too. But the Styles family is okay. The authorities were sent to the house. He never entered. But charges were filed for trespassing. And Paige discussed with WWE management, and they decided Samoa should be fired. Uh, Samoa, yeah. And the fans boo. They were not into this. They were no. like, screw that. We want Samoa. They're chanting no, but Paige says she called AJ Styles and wanted to tell him this news. She could feel his pain and emotion. No man should be in that position. Styles said he is dropping the charges and begged her not to fire Joe. Determination is too good for him, and he wouldn't be able to get his hands on him. He wants to deliver that punishment, so the match on Saturday is on. AJ has saved Joe's job. And then we went to... A fireside chat with AJ Styles in his home where he apologizes for not being at the show tonight. He's in a very somber voice. He just can't perform tonight under the circumstances. This is bigger than WWE. And he's not leaving his house until he gets confirmation that Joe is on that plane to Australia. He's got four amazing kids who need him. Annie is scared, looking under her bed, into the closet for Uncle Joe like he's the boogeyman. And this is all going to end on Saturday. Joe, you're not coming back from the land down under because that's exactly where I'm going to put you. But then he clarified, I'm not talking about putting dirt on a casket with you inside. I'm talking about burying you alive. I'm going to murder you. Um, so he means a buried alive match. That's what it felt like. Kind of did. Uh, and he, it's not what he's doing. This match. Pa Paige was cool with attempted murder being threatened onto her show. 
Well, it's not. It's in Australia, so it doesn't count. It's still under her jurisdiction. This is a co-SmackDown branded event. Does she not have any liability here? Well, I mean, come on. That's an empty threat. You know, we'll see if he actually goes through with it. And, and an a empty ring, threat. Well, in a ring, anything kind of... Uh, he sounded like okay. he's plotted this. Yeah. Like he's um, got a place outside the Melbourne Cricket Ground with, you know, Joe's outline on it. He's going he's gonna to bury the man. Well, I wonder if he'll kind of uh, carry through with it, with that promise. You know, are we going to maybe he, Maybe he means politically. Bury him alive? Yeah, he's gonna okay. he's gonna politic to to beat him with the Styles Clash in ten seconds and make sure he's like put on, uh, put on the like the undercard. He's gonna be feuding with our truth. He's gonna bury him. Maybe, maybe. I did think it was sort of a unusual choice of words here, considering that a buried alive match is very much a pro wrestling thing, and this is the exact type of promo I think you would cut if you were to build up to a buried alive stipulation. Um, I I think it might have just been. I don't know. Uh, too much. Uh, uh, maybe, maybe just poor choice of words for that one. But I did like what they did with the angle today. I thought they were treating it with a a great deal of seriousness and importance to start the show. I thought Paige, you know, gave enough explanations to satisfy me about what they did after uh, SmackDown. Um, and I thought AJ did all right. You know, I feel like these types of angles require a really good actor to pull off. AJ isn't a great actor, but I think he's good enough. I thought his delivery was good. It fit the tone. He he adjusted his his kind of usual delivery for this. So I, I thought he did fine. AJ is not the world's greatest promo, but I don't think he's terrible either. No, not at all. Andrade Cien Almas and Zelina Vega took on R-Truth and Carmella. And a Truth TV champ began from this crowd. That's right, yeah. There's a brief pose down as well. Um, this dancing stuff is really working for him. There was a Let's Go Mella chant. Yeah, like they, they're they very much into the characters, like mm-hmm. R-Truth and Carmella. Like they're totally committed to the act that they're doing. Uh, they did the dance break. Uh, there was a tag to Carmella and Vega, so they were in together. And Carmella hit a Bronco Buster, Flatliner, and then Almas yanked her off. Lots of booze for this. Almas caught her kick, and Truth took him to the floor. So Vega's left with Carmella again. Vega went for a jackknife cover that was turned into the coat of silence by Carmella and submitted Vega. Really great t- transition from that jackknife into the code of silent- silence. Um, I thought both of them did really well, actually. I thought this was an intergender team between a, a awesome, tr- sorry, what is it, fabulous truth here that seems to be really connecting with the audience. And I'm actually, at least this week, quite impressed at the quick and successful babyface turnaround that Carmella has had so quickly. Are Almas and Vega not in the mixed match challenge? I don't believe that they are. No, they're not. What an oversight. Uh, I guess so, yeah. I guess they are too much of a main roster team that it, it, it doesn't feel special. Page met with Ty Dillinger backstage. He wants Randy Orton. The attack last week was unprovoked. Page brings up what Orton did to Jeff Hardy. He's been gone since Hell in a Cell. Dillinger said, don't you come to any of the house shows? Page says, I will never understand men. As Dillinger is pleading his case, he gets the match tonight, goes off, and Paige just exasperated goes, men. Men, always wanting uh, wrestling matches. Weird. Could Kurt Angle do this promo with, with any of the women? Would, um, would, that, be, would that be a very uh, chauvinistic uh, response? If he's, ugh, women. Not in 2018, but I mean, you'd probably hear a lot worse. 
1998. Uh, that is true. Probably in the movie Basketball. Uh, yeah. New Day comes out in their chef's hats for the pilot episode of New Day Cooks, a segment where they're going to reveal the recipe for their ultra-secret pancakes. Big E goes to thank their sponsor, Ico Pro, but then is cut off by, by Xavier Woods, who plugs their match for the Super Showdown. Kofi Kingston says that the bar have had their number, and they introduced Mr. Bootyworth, their chef. And Big E builds up to Mr. Bootyworth speaking for the first time, but before he can get a word out, the bar interrupts, mocks them for not taking anything seriously, and calls this segment awful. And then they reveal that Cesaro, back home in Switzerland, was nicknamed Chef, where they are known for their delicious pastries. And then they dump the table over with all the ingredients, all the stuff that they had prepared for these pancakes, and they start fighting. And the big ending is stopped when Seamus tosses flour onto Kofi Kingston. They hit a double-team backbreaker to Kingston, and then a white noise with Cesaro coming off the turnbuckle, and the only man left standing is Mr. Bootyworth. They take the bowl of batter, they dump it into his top hat, and then place it on his head. And then, this Mr. Bootyworth, he walks like a robot and has no reactions. He doesn't have any facial expressions. He's actually tremendous. And then Cesaro dumps the bowl of batter all on top of him. And this man's reaction to all of this was just so comically great. Like he is a he is a statue, a moving statue. Oh, he definitely deserves some credit for not breaking a smile. Not at all. <laughs> it's just the most interesting uh reaction or lack thereof that I thought was pretty amusing. Crowd really got into this. I thought the bar got a great deal of heat here without having to do all that much physically, and I always find that to be pretty impressive in a professional wrestling show. It was just a big, I mean, what, the table flip, there was a flower spot, and then I thought a really well-done bullying of Mr. Bootyworth here. So, you know, I've been very critical of the New Day, and if you're not a fan of the New Day, you would probably hate this. But I think for what they were aiming for, I thought this was totally solid, and I thought it worked. It it made me care more about the feud than most weeks. Do you know who Mister Bootyworth needs as his uh, as his assistant? Tell me, sir. Up. It's <laughs> great. We had the mixed match challenge promos from Balor and Bailey. I don't know what it is these two together, but they are just the least interesting people when they are together. You're clearly not on the same page, but we sure are. I think Mr. Bootyworth was had more personality than these two in this promo. Jinder and Alicia then are just going through their instructions, or, or I don't know, they cut a promo. Then we got instructions on how to watch on Facebook Watch. Uh, you know what was a little confusing with the instructions? What's that? When they got to the graphic at the end, it read, Tomorrow Night, the Mix Match Challenge. Uh-oh. Hmm. Come on, guys. Ty Dillinger and Randy Orton never got started. Uh, Tom Phillips repeated and emphasized that Mix Match Challenge is tonight. So it looks like someone caught this beyond me. And they promoted the Reunion of Evolution in two weeks' time, which is going to be a very confusing night as they're plugging 
Uh, Evolution coming up later tonight and people thinking they're going to get the all-women show early. Wow, I didn't even think of that. <laughs> that is really... Uh, That's going to be super confusing because they're going to be in heavy promotion mode for that show in two weeks' time. Yeah. Uh, I think the most notable that Batista will be making his return. That, to me, is the the big one. Like, beyond Evolution together, I think it's like Dave Batista coming back. Like, this guy is a megastar. Does that Way bigger you- than, than the WWE treats him. Well, yeah. Does that tell you maybe how how much they think of his celebrity right now? Um, you know, we kind of we know the stories of them not thinking that Guardians of the Galaxy was going to be that big of a deal. Um, and now I think to me, you know, is Batista a bigger name or is Evolution a bigger name? Oh, Batista is a much bigger name to, to would, casual fans. Yeah, I would think so too. But yeah, you know, I I, I mean, I yeah, I get it. Sure. Dillinger goes after him on the floor, and Orton then starts attacking with uppercuts. They go to the floor. Orton goes for his suplex onto the announcer's desk, but it's reversed, and Orton gets dropped onto the desk. And then Orton sets up for a draping DDT off the barricade, puts him on the apron, and there's a fan yelling. He yells, I don't know what your plan is. What do you plan on doing? And it was just so loud. And what Orton was doing, if this fan had some patience, was he placed Ty Dillinger's finger into the middle part of the turnbuckle that connects it to the post and began bending the finger. Yeah. Yeah. This was not the cringe level of the uh, of the uh, what's it called? The screwdriver of a few weeks ago, but not far off. But in that realm, you know, yes, Uh, I, 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 you know, we've seen like people like, um, what is it? Brian Kendrick used tactics, tactics like this. I, and I really like it. I mean, I think this Orton run has been really, really creative in a sadistic way. He's, you know, and it's, it's, it makes sense. Like he is breaking the finger of the guy whose gimmick relies on hand gestures. So, you know, like the Hardy thing, I think these are, you know, relatively perfectly safe spots, but the reaction is always really high and they're always very memorable segments. And I think that's in large part due to Orton's great um, acting around the spot. It's very methodical, very well paced. I really liked it. And I, I hope this means that Dillinger is going to get a bit of a comeback and a bit of a storyline coming out of this. Yeah, I'm wondering what kind of videos Orton is seeking out where he's drawing inspiration from. I don't know, man. Horror movies? I don't know. Maybe he's got like the Saw movies. Maybe he's got more ideas in his head. Um, Corey Graves calls this one of the most vicious and malicious assaults. Vicious and malicious sounds like a way better name for Buff Bagwell and Scott Norton than Vicious and Delicious was. Or a mixed match challenge team. Yeah. Um, So, yes, one of the most vicious assaults, but not the most dastardly crime. And and Paige seemed to be okay with this. Oh well, only this kind of torture on her show is that's fine. That's all, all within. I mean, it's, if, all, it's within the realm of what we're promoting. These performers have contracts. Family members don't. I guess so. Shelton's in the locker room. The Miz enters. Says he saw Shelton's tweet to Paige wanting a match, and that he's overlooked. Lists off all the championships he held, and Miz put in a call to get him a match tonight with Daniel Bryan, and asks him. Are you going to beat Brian? Shelton Benjamin finally getting to speak. His response was, in a word, yes. Miz says he needs to hurt 
and maim Daniel Bryan, rip his beard off, and feed it to him. Sounds like he just stole Orton's idea for a future program. Benjamin cuts this uh, spirited response that he's been sitting on the bench, waiting for a chance to remind people of who he is, and Bryan is going to be his first casualty. Yeah, a good little fiery promo from Shelton. I think uh, it's about time. Aiden English is with a production assistant in the back. He wants the truck to be all ready because this needs to be shown in HD. Maybe he had to do... I, I would assume, like, does it does it need to be transferred? To, was he concerned? Did he record this maybe in standard on his phone? Um... It looked like it was a it was cell phone footage, so probably already in high def. But if yeah. he has a recent phone, yeah, great blocking in the, uh, coming up in this shot. Rusev and Lana come out. They recap the last two weeks, and Rusev mentions this videotape involving the city of Milwaukee, and he wants to tear uh, English's pale body apart. And he calls out Aiden. He wants to see this bogus evidence. Aiden comes out and he's listing off all these facts about Milwaukee and Lana just calls him on it for stalling because he's got nothing. And he mentions places uh, in Milwaukee that featured the shooting of film of TV shows like Laverne and Shirley, Happy Days, Love Actually, and Basketball. Yeah. You watch Did you ever movie? see this movie? I saw this in the theater in 1998 way. I watched it. Um... This was at the height of my... South Park fandom, and I was like, oh, wow, they're doing a sports movie. This is going to be tremendous. This movie was not tremendous. No, it was not. But you see, it is baseball and basketball combined into mm-hmm. one sport. So then Aiden goes to show the footage in a hotel room in Milwaukee, where a shirtless Aiden is singing about insulting Milwaukee, calling it a sewer, and then there's a knock on the door. And it's Lana. She walks in and she starts talking to him and says, I need to talk to you and I just need to say it out loud. And she goes to say, I want you. And the video cuts her off mid-sentence and we come back and we're all stunned. Oh, Lana, what have you been caught on camera saying? I want you. Aiden says he wants to show more, but he's entertaining an idea, uh, an offer from TMZ and he wouldn't want to cheat on them. Lana explains this isn't what this isn't the entire conversation, and Rusev is floored. He yells, "There's more!" and he chases Aiden to the back. And after the break, Rusev is searching for him. asks Where did that bastard go? And he doesn't want to talk with Lana about this here. And he's off. What'd you think about the follow-up to the night in Milwaukee? I'm loving this. I thought Aiden did a really great job setting it up and acting in the video, uh, if you can call it acting. Um, I thought the video played really well to the audience, and it gave me a good enough like uh, conclusion, or at least a semi-conclusion to it, that I felt satisfied, but it also kept me wanting more. Obviously, there is going to be uh, more to be revealed in the, in the video, um, but I thought this was a good bit of pro wrestling soap opera. Yeah, I thought this was a sufficient follow-up. I think people are into this. I think they really like the kind of, you know, week-to-week nature that they're they're stringing you along and hopefully you get a satisfying payoff at the end of it. And, yeah. and it's, you know, it's great for Rusev and, and English. It's the worst when I think you go this type of route, uh, but you just kind of drag on without delivering, um, you know, something. 
we or all goes know this. Claire Lynch. Yeah, like we all know this stuff is super corny, super cheesy, but I don't think any of us really have that big of a problem with it. We're watching professional wrestling after all. I think we just want, you know, some decent uh, momentum in their storytelling, and uh, it seems to be providing it two weeks in. You know what? I think this is somewhat nitpicking, but it also annoyed me when I thought of it after you and I talked during the Alexa Bliss segment where she says when she was seven years old, meeting Trish Stratus. Would it, would it have been so hard to have just made it make sense? Well, but the rest of the promo didn't make sense, right? She was just like lying throughout the whole thing, which I think was a fault. I think the best promos are when there's a hint of truth attached to them, and then you put in something really ridiculous in there. But it seemed like she was probably trying to emphasize how much younger she is. To me, that would be... It's just a, it's it's such a small thing that probably ninety five percent of the people watching that wouldn't even look at the math. But for the five percent that would, that's like a cool little detail that that part made sense. Just like a simple thing of just saying when I was ten years old. But what does it matter if the rest of it is bullshit? Uh, because I think that why would Alexa lie about that? Because she wants to. Seem... Why would you lie about the thing that's so easy to fact check? Because she wants to seem far younger than Trish. I think that's – listen, I know it's a stupid little thing, but I think in the grander scheme of things, I think little things like that, you reward the audience if you just have that part make sense. And I don't think 10 years old makes Trish sound any younger in the same delivery. Okay. Like, I met (laughs) you when I was 10 years old. Yeah, I I didn't really like the segment that much anyway, but that wouldn't be a a major criticism for for me. Daniel Bryan, Shelton Benjamin with The Miz on commentary. Benjamin attacks him at the bell, hit him with this gut buster, and then Bryan comes back. He grabs the arm, goes to the yes lock. They get to the rope. Miz keeps calling Bryan a wrestler, and Benjamin is in control as they go through the commercial break. Miz is mentioning how the talk shows don't want Daniel Bryan. They can't even get his name in the title of his reality series. Total Bryans. Benjamin then ducks a clothesline, hits a release German, They're on the turnbuckle. Brian's dropping down elbows. Top rope Hurricane Rana hits him with the yes kicks and then an insiguri to the head. He's calling for the running knee when Miz gets onto the apron and Brian knocks him down, turns around, runs into pay dirt, and Benjamin pins Daniel Bryan. Mm Mm-hmm. A very good TV match between these two, Bryan and uh, Benjamin. You know, I thought the booking was pretty fine, logical. Um, Sets up the uh, match on Sunday. Or Saturday? Saturday or Sunday? Saturday. 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 Yeah. Hopefully they actually follow up with Shelton and give him a bit of a push after this, and he's not just a, an afterthought, but I'm willing to bet he probably will be. Yeah. I thought I thought the match was, you know, really good match. If, if anything, I, I think Miz was kind of like overbearing on commentary, that the match was almost in the background to Miz's commentary. But, but it should I think be, they. Though. Well, then I, don't, I almost... I don't know how you can then look at, you know, this being anything for Shelton if this was not even really of importance. I don't well, know if Shelton uh, yeah. will be involved here beyond this even. Yeah, it really isn't. I mean, the, this was a segment done to build up their match. Miz attacked Brian on the floor, nailing him with knees to the ribs, and then drives him into the desk and lays him out with the skull-crushing finale and wishes him good luck on Saturday. Ran a promo for SmackDown 1000 featuring old clips, and that show is coming up in two weeks. 
the SmackDown 1000th episode. And I guess the big thing is just they're pushing the Evolution reunion. That's the that's really the only hook on the show at the moment. Yeah, I wonder if you'll get Taker. You know, I wonder if if you'll get Sean, even though he's not really associated, I would say, with SmackDown all that much. But he was on that first episode. Yeah. Do you expect like a big push next week for this show? They're just going to give it like a big one week build up. I would think so. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even, you know, with all these shows going on, I can't really fault them for choosing this show to be somewhat like a smaller deal. Kind of bad timing for it. It's just there's only so much you can dedicate all this emphasis to that all of this stuff is deserving of your time. So Mm -hmm. I I think a one week build, it's, you know, it's going to be, you know, a highly promoted or a more promoted than usual SmackDown. And that's about it. So you don't expect The Rock. Uh, I don't know if it's worth it. Unless you have a great idea for him. If you have a great idea and you have something to do, sure. Um, I, I don't, don't know. I don't I, expect him. It doesn't seem like it's uh, you know, a giant priority if I was him. Naomi was in the ring for the Susan G. Coleman segment. Uh, they introduced a bunch of people in the ring. At one of them being Dr. Tony Storm Dickerson. Is that right? Tony Storm. He, is that what they said? Yeah. Her name was Dr. Tony Storm Dickerson. Oscar versus Peyton Royce. The Iconics did uh, their uh, promo that they are going to do the Aussie Floss Victory Dance on Saturday. I think like the, the chemistry these two have as on-screen performers is is really something special, you know. Um, and I don't know if they're being exactly used to their best. Uh, extent, you know, certainly they're very limited by their in-ring ability, but do they even, you know, do they have to be put into wrestling positions in order to kind of maximize their value? I'm not really sure, but you know, whether it's like TV or movies or something, I really feel like, feel like you could do something very special with these two. I'm just not really sure what it is yet. Peyton Royce had a choke applied. Oscar got out, transitioned to the ankle lock. They went into the rope. Uh, Billy Kay got up and Naomi took her down and allowed Oscar to apply the Oscar lock. Peyton Royce tapped out three minutes, 33 seconds. I thought a good little match, you know, it was very fast. They actually worked on a, a number of pretty elaborate things in there. Um, there was a really cool entry into the Oscar lock off of the knee bar at the end there. And, you know, none of it was really messed up. So I thought Royce hung in there with Oscar pretty well. And then more mixed match challenge promos. Rusev says, let's forget about Milwaukee. And he walks off as Lana finishes the promo. Jimmy and Naomi, they don't care what happened in Milwaukee. All they care about is a day one glow penitentiary. Final segment. Becky Lynch comes out all show long. They've been promoting that she has a surprise for Charlotte. And what a surprise it was. Big Becky chant. She says since she won the title at SummerSlam, she has been the best part of SmackDown. She runs this division now. She's the most relevant thing in WWE. And being kind and patient gets you stabbed in the back and treated like a fool. And then we got our main event video recap package. Comes back. The chant for Becky is even louder after all of this. And she asks where her magazine covers are. She's sick of watching Charlotte pose for these covers and press releases. She's going to prove that she is the face that should be on all the posters. So she's going to just do it herself. And Becky Lynch Photoshop discovered in a week for this woman has designed her own poster for the super showdown. And it's the photo of her standing on top of Charlotte when she attacked her a few weeks ago. It's a nice poster. Not a bad poster. Yeah. So Uh, what a surprise. 
What a surprise and what a reaction from Charlotte. She ran out furious at this poster. Well, I guess uh, at the embarrassment, at the, you know, probably even just... Can you imagine if Connor does this to Habib at the press conference on Thursday? He shows a new UFC 229 poster. Habib's just going to jump him on the stage. I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure those two would, would get into fights for far less. Uh, remember, this is the first time Becky is sorry. Sorry, Charlotte is seeing Becky uh, post attack, so he, she's looking to get revenge for that as well. Well, the audience was not looking for revenge. She ran out. Becky is attacking her, and then Charlotte lands a spear and is booed. She suplexes Becky through the stand with the poster on it. She goes to apply the figure four and is going over the edge of the apron. So they were like falling down it was a very awkwardly applied figure four and then kicks down becky her music plays and man they just hated charlotte in this last segment yeah this was a very vocal uh negative reaction to charlotte but you know what i mean i sense it more because i don't sense the reaction so much that people um hate charlotte like a roman reigns level but i think it's more so that they love becky so much and they don't want anybody to oppose her um so you know, I feel like Charlotte is really not a lost cause. I wouldn't say that she is at all, judging from this. But I feel so much of it is contingent on whether or not Charlotte um, beats Becky for the title. I think if Charlotte beats Becky for the title, you're going to turn her into Roman Reigns. But if you keep that belt onto Becky and you move Charlotte on to another program down the line, uh, have an actual heel beat Becky before having uh, Charlotte win, then you might be able to avoid that. Um, otherwise... You know, uh, what I took away from this was that they're really not fighting those heel reactions or sorry, those baby face reactions to Becky at all. Like at no point does she ever insult the crowd. At no point does she tell the crowd to shut up or anything like that. Like this is, you know, uh, Conor McGregor gloating in front of an Irish audience and, you know, um, just just kind of absorbing it and running with it. Yeah. And even if it means Charlotte is getting booed like that doesn't seem to be of of great concern either like i i don't think this this program is is being uh affected by this i think it's it's working it's i think better. becky has been great i think she's yeah. been great since SummerSlam. yeah in the end like you know i'm way more interested in these two feuding now than i was i think when they initially started and becky really like she closed the segment here just closed the show here on, on smackdown and i thought she was totally deserving of that spot. She really does feel like one of the hottest characters, if not the hottest character in the company right now. Yeah, and that was the end. That was the end of the show. There was no Joe on this show. I don't I don't think really needed uh, after the opening segment. They kind of addressed it, and after the angle last week, there was nothing more that needed to be done for that one. And, it wouldn't yeah. make sense. Yeah, it wouldn't make sense for, for AJ to all of a sudden show up, you know, leaving his family behind like that. Yeah, he would be such a a dick if he showed up as a surprise and leaving his family. Uh, So there you go. That was SmackDown. Um, Yeah, overall interest level going into Super Showdown. Does does this show have your intrigue for a 5 a.m. start on Saturday? Um... You know, I'm interested in stadium shows just to, from a production standpoint. I really want to see what this crowd looks like. And I feel like reactions to almost everything will probably be, be heightened that much more because it is it might have a WrestleMania feel attached to it. Maybe, maybe not. I'm not sure. But I expect Australia to be a pretty hot crowd. The card itself, 
I think, you know, I'm, I'm actually a bit more excited for it than I think your typical WWE pay-per-view. You know, the main event, I'm curious to see what Taker and Triple H look like. In particular, Taker in a main event, I want to see. Joe versus AJ, I think, will be good again. Uh, Brian and Miz, I think, will be good. Um, and The Shield, that, that's got my interest. And Becky Charlotte has my interest as well. Do we want to go through the pay-per-view or Mixed Match Challenge next? Um, we can go through the pay-per-view. All right. Well, let's start with, uh, let's start at the bottom here. Uh, we've got Becky Lynch, Charlotte for the SmackDown Women's Championship. I think it would be a really bad idea to take the title off of Becky now. She's got a ton of momentum behind her. I would not be flipping it right back to Charlotte. The only way I can see them doing that is if they have a separate idea for Charlotte at Evolution that doesn't include Becky Lynch. You got to run with this program, I think, all the way up until Evolution. And uh, in the end, I just, unless you're going to turn Charlotte Flair heel, I wouldn't have her take the belt off of Becky Lynch because you're, you're only asking her her heel status and that negative reaction to be cemented if you're doing that. If your idea is that Charlotte fails here and Evolution is going to be her big win over Becky, I think they're in it for a very rude awakening of how the audience will take that. Yeah, yeah, they're gonna have to be very careful with that. Um, you know, why not just turn Charlotte heel? I'm not sure, but yeah, well, they, we'll see, we'll see how plans yeah. change. Oscar Naomi against the Iconics. Um, I, I think the Iconics should win this. I think they should just win this. They're gonna be so Absolutely. over on this show. I, I think they should yeah. just win. I Personally, I'd love agree. to see I mean, Oscar Naomi. Maybe maybe they should be feuding coming out of this or, or doing something. Like, I, I don't know. Their, their team does nothing for me. I would much rather see dissension among those two, and, and they spin off to a program. And just, just let the Iconics get a nice win here. I think it's too early, way too early for Asuka and Naomi to break up. Like, it seems like they're just starting to try to figure out that friendly chemistry between the two, uh, which they I don't think they've really hit yet. So I expect them to still stick around. It'll be interesting to see the reaction that they get. I don't think Naomi and Asuka will get booed. Like, both of them are just, I think, way too likable for an audience to boo them. But I do expect the Iconics to uh, either do something really creative and mean to... Uh, uh, turn the crowd onto them, but I think they'll have a challenge. But I do expect and hope that they win. New Day against the Bar tag titles, SmackDown tag titles. Yeah, I mean, I I think I've gotten to a point now with the New Day where I've just been pretty tired of the gimmick and and all the all the pancakes. But I do respect that it's it might not be for me and it might be for somebody else. The crowd I think will be pretty into their their gimmick. The match I think will be good. You know, uh, do I expect the title change? I I don't know. I don't really see. The bar being hot enough at the moment. At the same time, if they want to continue the feud, uh, I could see them doing that. But I, I think I'm going to go with the New Day. I think the New Day is going to retain. I, I don't see them doing many title changes on this show. Uh, although there could be some. For sure. Cedric, Cedric Alexander and Buddy Murphy for the Cruiserweight title. Um, you know, they should have a pretty hot crowd for this match, I would think. This is not going to be your typical 205 Live match. And... Yeah, if you want to do a title change, this would probably be the place to do it for Buddy Murphy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I could see that that happening for sure. Um, You know, again, Buddy Murphy is a heel, but do you think they even care about that? And do you see, you know, uh, him just going in here, getting crazy cheers? Or uh, Yeah, Yeah, and I think they should just go with it. Like, I think the Iconics and Buddy Murphy are going to get enormous reactions on this show. And 
Buddy Murphy's been excellent on 205 Live. So Alexander's had that title since WrestleMania. I think you could definitely flip the title. And why, why not do it here instead of as a pre-tape before SmackDown? Yeah, yeah, I agree. AJ Styles and Samoa Joe, no countout, no disqualification match for the WWE Championship. Well, uh, I, I, I mean, I really thought Joe, I think uh, his time should have been uh, earlier. And I still think he's hot enough that he can uh, get a title. But for whatever reason, I'm just not really feeling it just yet. I'm really just not. Um, they did the, running out of time. Yeah, but they did do like, you know, the, the, the kind of disputed finish last last month. Mm. If they do want a big shock, you know, uh, of, of a finish, I could see this happening. But I can also see them dragging this out to the Crown Jewel show for a big title change there. Buried so, Alive match. <laughs> yeah, an actual Buried Alive match. Um, do, you know, will it... Do you think the crowd will leave home unhappy if they don't get a t- title change in this particular match? I personally don't think so. To me, this match doesn't feel all that important in, on this card uh, to make that title change be all that significant so i'm gonna say title doesn't change hands here yeah i i don't know i i can definitely see a scenario where styles ends up retaining and joe just doesn't get the title styles moves on to the brian miz winner and yeah and they just move on they don't give joe the the title run even though i i think that would freshen things up i think styles you've gone about as far as you need to with this guy as champion, you just want to freshen things up, and having a a heel champion would would do that. Have they um, said where um, Brian and Miz will get that match? No, no. So that that could be a crown jewel. That could be a Survivor Series. Because I mean, if Joe wins, then I think AJ would have to get that rematch at some point next. Yeah, which maybe you could do then at Crown Jewel. That's the rematch, and then Survivor Series could be Brian, Brian and Joe. Or even Brian and Styles. I mean, it's yeah. possible you could hold that off until Survivor Series. Mm-hmm. The, the negative on Joe as a heel champion is that, like, it's Styles and Brian. Those are your baby faces you have to draw from. It's, it's, very, it's very weak underneath. Those I also feel like AJ ultimately has to win this feud, considering the man did uh, threaten his family. Yeah, that's the part of me that I see them wrapping this up and Styles could keep it. So... Yeah, they had a really great match at SummerSlam. Uh, yeah, I, I expect it to be a very good match, especially mm-hmm. in a stadium. I think that yeah. those two will have a very good match on on Saturday. The Bella Twins and Ronda Rousey against the Riot Squad. Yeah, um, interesting match considering I think the month uh, that that you know has has taken place between uh, these participants. Um, I expect Ronda to get a massive, massive, massive reaction in that stadium. Um, in fact, I, I kind of look forward to that entrance uh, uh, amongst uh, all the roster. Uh, one of the uh, I'm most excited for. Um, uh, you know, I think the whole thing will just kind of be done uh, to set up the angle between the Bella Twins and Ronda Rousey. I see them actually losing this match. Do you see them actually doing the angle in this match of Nikki doing something to Ronda to set up the match or... I you think do the miscommunication and you're left with uh, just kind of, you know, they'll explain it on Raw and then you set up the match. Yeah, yeah, probably more so the, the latter, um, you know, but I think they need to lose this match in order to get there. This would be Ronda's first loss then. I guess so. Uh, not in a singles match, though. No, not in a singles match, but first loss of any match, though. Yeah, potentially. The Shield taking on the Dogs of War in a six-man tag. This should be really good. 
Yeah, certainly. Yeah, like this uh, could be the match of the show. Possibly. I'm surprised. I'm surprised they haven't already done this because I feel like I've seen the combination of these guys so much over <laughs> yeah, the past really. month or two. Um, but yeah, it can absolutely uh, steal the show. Yeah, I I think you can go either way. I think it's going to continue after this. So I, I don't think, you know, they'll probably play up the dissension between Dean with Roman and Seth. Um, yeah, I could see the heels winning this and this just progresses and the continuation of Dean is the focus after this match. I would Daniel Bryan and... Sorry. I would, no, I, I would expect them to, to win just because they were laid out on uh, Monday. Daniel Bryan and The Miz. I think Bryan has to win this match. I think so, too. Yeah, because he's lost all the others. Yeah, He's lost a lot lately. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's got to win something. So I, I think that's the only outcome here. Bobby Lashley and John Cena against Elias and Kevin Owens. Is this going to be the semi-main? No way. I mean, this is where it's listed. It, it could be anywhere on the show. I, I would put this on early, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I think you just get a big baby face win with John Cena. Yep. Yep. Do we get the, uh, what's it called? The punch? The, the lightning fist. The lightning fist. Elias by the way, will take that. So will Owens. By the way, uh, I do want to briefly talk about um, John Cena on the service known as Weibo. Are you familiar, oh. familiar, John? I'm not. No, please educate us. Weibo is basically, um, I think, Twitter in China. Because, you know, China blocks a lot of social media outside. You can't use uh, a lot of things that we... Uh, I thought it was your own exercise program. <laughs> Very funny. Uh, but John Cena, he's been living there in China uh, these several months filming a movie. Um, and he's just been posting very consistently. And his Mandarin has gotten really good uh, as I think, you know, he's he's been working on it a long time. But I think being so immersed by living in the country for several months, uh, he's he's already gotten really good. And he posts some pretty frequent updates, just talking about you know foods that he's discovered, um, playing piano, various things about China. I don't really understand a whole lot of it, but it's so amusing to watch. Um, I don't know if many people here have Weibo, but um, you can check it out if you do. Wow. Well, that's that's something to check out if you are a John Cena fan. He's been doing like Mandarin lessons for years now. I remember him at that WrestleMania press conference we went to in 2013. And all of a sudden he started speaking in Mandarin. Like yeah. that, that was over five years ago. Yeah. Clearly something he's been pl- uh, working on for a long, long time. Good for him. Triple H and the undertaker, the most interesting match on this show. The the match I am most intrigued by. Um, I think they've done a really good job building this up and whatever angle they have coming out of this, I think it's going to have the most focus and I guess the big question mark is what kind of a match these two can have in 2018. It's probably going to fall short of their prior WrestleMania matches. That is probably a safe assumption. But I think that this is going to be an extremely forgiving audience that just look at them as stars. And you've got stars on the outside and possibly some big angle coming out of this to set up Sean's return. So I think it'd be hard to screw this one up. Yeah, certainly. I think they'll have enough bells and whistles attached to it to to make it entertaining throughout. You know, like I said yesterday, I really did enjoy Sting versus Triple H just because it was so much fun. It was not a technical marvel at all. And I don't expect this one to be. But I, I, I feel like Taker is probably in better shape now than perhaps Sting was back then. So uh, I, I, I don't doubt that these two would be able to have a very entertaining main event. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't even matter who wins, but I, 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 obviously I think it'll be Taker. I think for the story, it should be Taker. 
And and if not, I, I think you should do some attack on Sean at the end. I almost wish they saved that that choke slam spot um, so that Michaels didn't do anything physical up until this match, and that's kind of what prods him to finally look at the idea of coming back for revenge that they could do something. Perhaps, though they did save the tombstone. They did not. They teased it, but they didn't deliver it to him. Yeah. So there you go. That's the the super showdown. I would assume Hunter and Undertaker go on last. Would you think that as well? It, it's the it's the show that this entire sorry it's the match this entire show has been built around. So I would definitely put that last. All right, and we might get a a death if AJ has his way with Samoa. Do you want to take us through tonight's mix match challenge? Week yeah. three. Week three of the mix match challenge. Uh, have you seen any of the matches, John? No, I haven't. You're you're just uh, completely uh, censoring yourself from. From this your reviews are so great that they just uh what more could could possibly uh you know su- satisfy me like the, the matches aren't going to live up to your reviews well perhaps well i'm i'm very happy to bring you the report weekly uh today on this edition of the mix match challenge we had the team of baylor and bailey bnb taking on your favorite john mahalisha oh wow so Baylor and Bailey come out. They're wearing each other's jackets. They do each other's poses. It is adorable. Renee mentions oh. how these two have been good friends since NXT and that they sought each other out and didn't just get randomly paired together. So a pair of real friends. Real friends. That's nice. Jinder and Alicia come out, and Jinder and Sunil bicker about who gets to wear the captain's hat, and Jinder's trying to calm the two of them down. Alicia wants to start the match, and she says she doesn't want to face... Bailey, she wants to face Finn Balor, and then starts taunting at Finn Balor in the corner. Calls her, calls him chicken, uh, but it's against the rules. So they continue to wrestle uh, the women. Bailey is knocked off the apron, and at this point, Sunil catches her, and Alicia gets jealous of the the attention Sunil is giving to Bailey. So uh, she shoves Bailey into the turnbuckle. They cut to Rusev and Lana in the back as they're getting ready for their match coming up next. And Rusev still looks very visibly shaken from all the Aiden English stuff. So they continue to make reference to that on this edition of uh, the Mixed Match Challenge. There's a hot tag to Finn. Balor goes up top for the coup de grace, but Alicia shapes, shakes the ropes to block it. Jinder tags in Alicia, but Bailey gets the upper hand. There's a baseball slide to Alicia on the floor, and Sunil actually shoves Alicia, Alicia in the way. Uh, this uh, overall... Um, oh, it ends with Balor diving to the outside, and then there's a Bailey to belly until Alicia for the win. This match was was overall more of a straightforward match, and that's totally fine. But it wasn't all that memorable in the grand scheme of things. Didn't really have that big comedic spot. Um, but I'll say I feel like Mahalisha have started to find their groove uh, in in terms of kind of uh, the the character stuff with what's going on between Sunil and uh, and Alicia and Jinder uh, being the peacemaker between the two of them. The uh-huh. s- yeah, so that's somewhat working, but I'll say the stuff they tried here didn't really connect with the audience all that well. You know who's missing in this mixed match challenge is Goldust. He's perfect for this. Um, he was on a team yesterday or last year with Mandy Rose. Actually. Yeah, yeah, Rose he Gold. was in the last season. Rose Gold, yeah. Anyway, yeah, they were. Uh, he was tremendous. Um, but he seems to be being phased out, unfortunately. Uh, so we have Kayla Braxton in the back. He she is talking to Finn ba- uh Finn Bailey. Finn Bailey. Um, they're being interviewed about facing the team of uh, Monster Eclipse next week, which is Ember Moon and and uh, Braun Strowman. 
monster eclipse. Bailey says it's going to be too sweet. Oh, God. All right, so up next, it's Day One Glow taking on Ravishing Rusev Day, the team of uh, Naomi and Jimmy Uso versus Lana and Rusev. So Rusev, as I mentioned, is still selling the effects of this aiding English video that we just saw on SmackDown. The crowd is chanting, Milwaukee, Milwaukee, and Rusev is trying to tell them to shut up. Uh, They're total heels in this match. Both Lana and uh, Naomi are in the ring first, and then as each one gets the advantage they taunt the other with a big dance move and the crowd starts chanting dance off dance off dance off and the lights go out there's disco lighting that appears oh my god a dance song plays and for the second week in a row we get another dance off on the mixed match challenge so naomi goes first she does great i don't even know what you call it i'm not a dancing expert um but very impressive the way she's able to move. Lana is up next. As you know, John, these two have uh, had a storied rival. This is they are really the Okada Omega of, dance of dancing. Offs. Yes. Yeah, and this is I believe is number three because the first one would have taken place on Total Divas. Second one would have taken place on SmackDown, and this the third the tr- a third of the trilogy here, um, taking place on the Mixed Match Challenge. So Lana is up next. She does a lot of break dancing, multiple spinneroonies connected, a bunch of hair flips. In its own right, it is also very impressive, but I'll say, uh, for my opinion, I gave this one 10-9 Naomi. Jimmy Uso and Rusev start arguing about who won. They each hold the their wife's uh, hand up, and the crowd tends to agree that Naomi did better here. So Jimmy Uso and Rusev tag in, and the crowd starts chanting, Dance off! Again! <laughs> These chants are going to start during real matches. Uh, per, I mean, perhaps if, if it becomes a recognized thing, uh, but they do kind of motion for it and they do kind of like set it up. So Jimmy Uso calls for the music, calls for the lighting, and we get a second dance off this time between the men. So Jimmy goes first. He does this like hopping, skipping thing that I'm sure has a name that I'm not cool enough to know the name of. So somebody let me know. Um, and then it's Rusev's turn. <laughs> and the anticipation is huge. For Rusev, this crowd is just like really wanting to see this big Bulgarian man dance. Um, he delays it, he delays it, he just, and then all, all, you know, eventually just gets in the middle of the ring, starts clapping slowly, and then Jimmy Uso comes in and puts on a pair of Rikishi's glasses on no. Rusev. <laughs> so, the two of them are standing side by side. They bow their heads. They're about to do the too cool dance. And Rusev kicks him right in the face. <laughs> this sounds awesome. It was awesome. It was really great. Uh, so the match actually start, gets going here. Rusev lays, uh, Jimmy Uso lays Rusev out on the floor. Um, oh, that should have been the finish. <laughs> in the ring, uh, we skip to the finish here. Lana X-Factors Naomi, which is her move. She's about to finish her. But Jimmy Uso, at this point, grabs the microphone, hops onto the apron, and says, Hey, Lana, what's the deal with Milwaukee? So Lana freaks out and allows Naomi to roll her up for the distraction pinfall. Um, I thought this was great, man. It was everything I would want in a post-match, or sorry, post-show dark match. It was fun, featured a lot of crowd interaction, and featured a great Easter egg with that Rikishi reference. And I think it helped further even that Aiden English storyline. So 
it was very well done. Um, uh, if you're going to watch any of the matches, I highly recommend this Day One Glow versus Ravishing Rusev Day. The other one, you could probably not so much. The Okada and Tanahashi of dance-offs. Yes, yes, really living up to it. Six stars, we'll see. I don't know. We'll have to see how Dave rates it. All right. Well, there you go. That was SmackDown and the Mixed Match Challenge. We'll head on over to the forum before we wrap up Rewind to SmackDown. Tonight, SmackDown. I think that I think Raw will go higher than SmackDown this week. That's my prediction. Really? Yes. I'm going to say not as high. A 7.27. SmackDown wins. It's a very respectable number. Brandon from Oshawa kicks things off. Wait, I, really thought, s- I thought this guy was leaving. He's, you know, it's wrestling. You don't really retire. Just <laughs> okay. tease it. Well, I'm, glad, it's, I'm glad you stuck around, Brandon. It's really small, but one of my pet peeves in the WWE is when people refer to each other by their last names. I mainly notice it between the commentators. Graves, Saxton, Phillips, Cole. Renee has gotten away without being called young so far. It happened last night when Roman Reigns referred to his brother as Ambrose. Tonight took the cake, though. Because of all the people on the roster whose first names you could use, Paige decided to call Samoa Joe simply Samoa. I don't know about you guys, but I have never, nor have I ever heard from anyone in my circle of friends, family, coworkers call each other by their last names. I don't really notice it in NXT, so it feels like a main roster directive, and I feel it really points out the scripted nature of these promos. It's almost like they feel as if the audience won't know who is being talked about if they don't use their last name. Do people ever call you Ting? People have. Yeah, and I've had people call me by my last name plenty of times. I'll call, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll refer to John as just Pollock, you know, for, for especially in cases when there are multiple Johns, uh, like John Ramdean and Pollock. We would call you Ramdean and Pollock, yeah, because there were two of you. So I'm gonna have to really respectfully disagree with you, Brandon, on this point. It does sound like some crazy idea they would have in the WWE, but I think I, I think it's it's more commonplace than you think. To just go by last names. Though, calling someone Samoa sounded ridiculous tonight. Yeah. And and in the case of Renee, like, Renee, like, some some names just happen to be, you know, you either have a more distinctive first name or a more distinctive last name. And in Renee's case, it's her first name. What what kind of does bother me is, like, uh, they're billing this uh, uh, McGregor-Nurmagomedov fight as Khabib versus McGregor. And like yeah. the OCD in me just kind of is really bothered by that because I want consistency. You either go with the first name or you go with the last name, uh, at least when it's on a poster. We can't fit all those letters in his last name. And, and it's fine with, with McGregor. I think he's more synonymous with Connor than yeah. he is McGregor. That's what like I think. Every, when you say Connor, everyone knows who you're talking about in MMA. Mm-hmm. We got a Garrett and Dylan from the Mook, a joint piece of feedback here. Just finished watching SmackDown Live from the fifth row at the Moda Center in Portland. There's a hot crowd, but definitely not a lot of people. We're in the 300 section and part of the two, or sorry, the 300 section and part of the 200 section were completely tarped off. I'm watching the Mixed Match Challenge now. The most heat was probably AJ saying he's not there when we all knew he did an autograph signing earlier in town. (laughs) Biggest pop by. Biggest part by far was anything Becky did or said. A good show, 8 out of 10 live. An extra point because my son Dylan got a new day pancake. He was Oh, pumped. that's awesome. Oh, it, it looks like he took a bite out of it. Wow. Look at this. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's adorable. Well, I hope you and Dylan had a great time, Garrett. Brandon from New Jersey. My dearest Quebecois. 
Since Jordan Breen was off today, I decided to write again. I was so inspired by my last email that maybe I should try again. It was a solid show. I mean, with the way Joe got fired, I thought he would be Mr. X at King of Pro Wrestling. Alas, it was another fake firing. That being said, I love this build-up. It's been fun. I mean, Joe has to win Saturday morning, right? Other stuff, I'll be quick. Was Aiden English rubbing on the Hulkster with the Gawker-inspired hidden camera gimmick with Lana? So not interested in this Brian Miz feud, he has yet to give the Miz his comeuppance. What was the point of resigning? Why did Paige call Joe by Samoa? Okay, let's get over the Samoa thing. Yes, it was was crazy. Mm. What are your thoughts on AJ Styles' uh, look with his true religion genes? Is he more Chris Gaines or Billy Ray Cyrus? And with Punishment Martinez signing with the WWE, will we finally have the rematch between the two Undertakers? I'm out of here. Peace. (laughs) Wow, Brandon just in and out. With a stream of consciousness uh, response. I can see why this guy is so beloved on, on the Jordan Breen show. Uh, love your takes, Brandon. Thank you. I don't even know how to begin to answer some of those. Um, what do you think about AJ's look with his true religion genes? Oh, I, I'm going to admit I don't know who Chris Gaines is, so I have to default, say, Billy Ray Cyrus. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Chris from Melbourne, Australia. Another good addition to SmackDown. Still amazing to see how far Buddy, Billy, and... Peyton have come from wrestling in a China. <laughs> Sorry, I read that as like Patton have. I'm like, who's yeah. Patton have? Yeah, it took me a second. Peyton have come from wrestling in a Chinese restaurant in front of families, having dinner to Australia's biggest stadium. Um, I, I'm very curious to know where that restaurant is. I know both Iconics and Buddy are supposed to be heels, and I know WWE loves to beat superstars in their hometown slash home country. Honestly, only see the Aussies getting enormous applause, especially if Buddy wins the Cruiserweight Championship. Question, where would you place the Cruiserweight Championship match on the card? Given how likely a championship change is to take place, I would put it towards the last four matches. Mm, I don't see it going that late in the show. I think it would... um, You know, I I think Buddy Murphy is going to be one of the bigger reactions on the show. So you could get away with putting it on later than you would a typical show with that match. Mm -hmm. Um I just I just sense it maybe going on, I don't know, maybe in the middle. I don't see it opening the show. Yeah, I mean, t- typically the 205 match tends to, t- to take place um, either second or third or something like that. But in this case, um, it being kind of like the big hometown guy uh, going for a title, I could definitely see it maybe more so in the middle of the show. Um, yeah, who knows? You can really put it anywhere. It depends on the layout of the show. It's yeah. kind of hard to guess where they where they put it. Um, next up is Walter from Texas. Why did AJ imply that the match against Joe is going to be a buried alive in his living room only for WWE to completely bury it? Confused why he would use the term if they weren't doing the match. Besides AJ and Joe, Becky Charlotte, Brian Miz, and the New Day Bar, are there no other SmackDown matches for Super Showdown? Uh, that's that's four matches right there on a card that's got 10. So that's... Yeah, one know. of them is a 205 Live match. Yeah, so that's that's pretty even. They spent an awful lot of time hyping up what happened on Raw last night instead of putting Nakamura or Hardy or anyone else for that matter on the show. Well, those two aren't on Saturday's show, so they were not priorities on this week's show. I, do, I, I totally understand that. And they do the same on Raw. They promote, uh, they promote the pay-per-view is what they're doing. Like what was t- tonight, the only, non, uh, the only segment that was not affecting Saturday's was oh, the Orton-Ty Dillinger one. Everything else had something to do with Saturday's buildup. Aiden English. That's true. Yeah, the Aiden thing. But the Aiden thing is like one of their big programs at the moment. So, um, you know, you have you have four feuds to push, but you do have 
X amount of segments. Nakamura doesn't even have a program at the moment. So what would you even like? You would have just thrown him in a match tonight. So, you know, if you have a he's supposed line. to be uh, he's supposed to have another match with Ty, I believe. Yeah, they they hinted at that tonight. So they could go to that. That's a TV match at best. Finally, okay. uh, sorry, just at the end here. Finally, I get the Miz being cocky and over the top. But every time he's on commentary, he sounds like he's on the verge of having a stroke, screaming over everyone that's around. We got Andrew from Cape Breton who says, One thing I've hated about WWE for years is sometimes they would overthink how they shoot segments. Today, we finally had an exception to the rule, with Aiden English revealing where Lana came in when, while Aiden was recording himself practicing promos on his phone. I thought it was a great change of pace, especially after the last time Lana was involved with something like this. It was when Enzo went to her hotel room, and it was a huge production. All in all, SmackDown was great tonight, and I give it an 8 out of 10. Most everything was good, and it's hard to make funny clips and critiques on a show that was very strong. I totally agree with Andrew. I think they handled um, that kind of realistic selfie mode feel of a segment like that really well, at least in comparison to many of the things that they've done. Like, I just think back to that AJ Shane program when um, Shane or AJ smashed Shane's face through the windshield and there were GoPros everywhere from every which angle inside that car. Uh, this was, I think, far more believable. All right. And Eric in Miami race last night, I was scrolling Twitter and saw someone make the point on how Ronda should have been handled like Goldberg, but WWE isn't about creating superstars. They want the brand bigger than everyone else. Goes on to say, uh, with Brian losing to Shelton Benjamin tonight and making him just a guy on the roster, do you think WWE is smart with everyone being the same? I understand you don't want the dark run of 2004 and 5 where they took Hell Marys making Cena and Batista as superstars, but next week the third hour of Raw might do less than 2 million viewers. Maybe it's time they made someone feel special. Thank you as always. All right, finally, Jay from Colorado says, I just want to point out that in less than a month, the SmackDown writers got Carmella over with the crowd. How long has the Roman Reigns experiment been going on in Raw? Uh, well, it's it's been the project for, for several years now. Um, all right. Well, there you go. That was uh, the feedback that we got from tonight. So thank you, everyone, for uh, writing in. We are going to wrap things up, but you can now head on over to the Post Wrestling Cafe and check out the Double Shot. Up at postwrestlingcafe.com, we're going to have reviews of Lucha Underground, Total Divas, Being the Elite, all of that uh, good stuff to come. And then later on this week, Way and I will be back on Friday with a new Ask Away. And then Saturday, we will have a show up for cafe members with a review of the Super Showdown. If you are a Double Double, Ice Cap, or Espresso uh, subscriber, you can log in at noon Eastern, and Way and I will be doing the show live so you can watch our review as it happens at noon. If yeah. not, you, you can download it later in the day. Yeah, we'll send you a link to it, um, and you can tune in. We usually uh, – do. last time we did this, it was very kind of uh, off the cuff, very uh, um, you know Im uh, improvised in nature, meaning like we'll spend a lot of time just kind of communicating with you. If we have to set up a shot in the middle of the recording, you will see it. Uh, and we'll probably make some time for you guys afterwards to just answer any questions. Cool. So lots of stuff coming up this week. Postwrestling.com is your go-to spot. And that's it. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you at the double shot.